hasn't really happened yet, has it? To step down out of the shame of this thing. Like, I, I think that's yet, that's still being fulfilled. I still think there's more to this. Um, so we'll see what happens. And uh, he says, no longer will you, um, there's, some, there's some rough things to hear in that. Like, will you use my, will you consume my children? Um, and when you, man, there we got all kinds of sounds and noises going on. Okay, we're good. Um, so um, it is so true that abortion was so much more than a woman's right. That was only a front. That that had that was maddening. How little that had to do with the problem. And uh, I was reading the story of um, Norma McCorvey which her alias was um, Jane, Jane Roe, and that was where the Roe versus Wade, Wade was the, the uh, um, I don't know what, it was the, the judge, it was, he was the one that ruled that she could not have an abortion, so that was appealed and it ended up in the Supreme Court. And um, when, this is what happens, when Gloria, or Norma, um, this was her third pregnancy. She had adopted out her first two children. And she just she had a rough life. It's not a criticism. She just was really uh, just struggling in all of life. And um, she wanted to have this abortion. It got denied in Texas. Uh, was still, it was a law there that you could not, unless it was to save the life of mother. That was the only condition, I think. And um, so this this... Whatever his role was, Wade, I don't know what his, his actual title was, but he's the one, whether he was the judge or whether it was some other role, and like, no, you can't do that. So the, there were some people that found Norma and took her to two attorneys, they happened to be women, that were looking for a case like this. This is what happens. They watch for a situation that comes up. They go, ah, you're the person. So she wasn't selected because they felt bad for her. She was selected because this is the case we're waiting for. This is what looks good. This is what will work for us. And so she was found, and I think a lot of her testimony was even um, controlled by that court case and, and what was going on. What, was it a rape? Was it not a rape? I think there were just issues in that. And you realize they select and they, they push something through um, for that purpose. And later, uh, it's unclear about what the rest of her life became. She switched in like the night, 2009, um, 1990, uh, to be more of a proponent for pro-life, but even that seems sketchy. I'm not sure what the real issue was about that. One of the testimonies from uh, somebody that knew her was that everybody was using her, and that kind of fits, like, yeah, probably. And these individuals get paid money to do things and say things and make stands, so, it, it was such a, a, a travesty. And um, then it becomes this federal law. So um, I loved a clip that I saw when uh, it was in the, um, uh, the election cycle, the pre for the 2016. And um, yeah, I'm pretty sure because Hillary was standing beside him. And he said, um, 
I wish I could remember all the names of those anchors, but I can't remember this one's name, but he's, he's very smugly asking Donald Trump, if you become president, are you going to overturn Roe versus Wade? And Donald Trump, being the cool operator that he was, knowing exactly what's going on, says, um, I'm going to appoint two, maybe three, constitutional judges and they will overturn Rover. No, no, that's not what I'm asking you. And he repeats the same answer. I am going to appoint three, two to three constitutional judges and they will overturn this. And he clearly spells this out because most of us didn't even have a clue what really was going on. Uh, it became federal and that was why it got overturned because the federal violated, the federal court violated the Constitution when they legalized, when they stepped into that role, because there's nothing in the Constitution about that. Like that was invalid. That's why it got overturned. It was because it was unconstitutional, period. And that it would get turned back to the states. And Donald Trump said this in this interview, in this, uh, it was more than an interview, it was um, uh, one of the debates. He's, he spells this out. He said, uh, somebody turn that, that fan is on high and it needs to come down off of high on low. Someone go back to, it's the number one, they're very hard to read, but it, no, no, you gotta go back to the controllers for the fans. And it needs to be on low, that will put my neck in a world of hurt. Nope, keep coming over. There's three dials back there. Look closely at them. There's a high, low, and medium on them, and you need to be on, on low. Thank you. And he actually explains this in the debate. He said, it will go back to the states so that each individual state can decide what they're going to do about abortion. And that's where it should have said. And he, he spelled all this out. like way back before in, in the 2016 election cycle. So that was, it was just amazing. And um, I know that, I'll, I'll speak for myself, I kind of lost heart with these appointees when things happened in the 2020 election. We're all like, what the heck? Like, what's going on? And uh, then out of the clear blue, these decisions, this opinion comes out, this decision is made. And uh, it was like, Oh my, this was, I mean, I feel very convicted about this. So tr conf true confessions, like I had doubts. I couldn't imagine, envision the Supreme Court doing it. I just, I lost hope that they would. Uh, shame on me. But again, this is the tell. We're putting our confidence in what we're looking at instead of what the Lord's saying is gonna happen. And this word from Kim Clement and other prophecies and other prophetic words, it will get it. In, some, you know, we, we identified it was Kevin Zadai. I couldn't remember who, where that came from, but Kevin Zadai said the same thing. When it comes, this oppression is going to be lifted off the land. And um, so there, I, I have mixed feelings because, number one, that losing heart about the thing getting changed in the first place. Then secondly, the offense and the uh, threat of all the violence and this ignorance coming out at the same time people asking, like, acting like children about it. And it's like, oh, if it's just go to a state where they're still allowed to kill babies and go have at it, like just whatever. Like, that's what you want? Go find a place to live where they can, you can do that. Like, and, and so 
that when you're afraid someone's gonna be offended about you being happy about something, it kind of puts a damper on your joy, doesn't it? And we, we really need to push through that. We've got to get, they don't care if they offend us. Like we've been, we got so seeker sensitive and this happened like over the last 20 years of church life. We got real concerned, like I was very brazen about a lot of things that I toned down about. Phyllis and Karen domesticated me, maybe they shouldn't have, yeah, whatever, you know. But for whatever reason, you, we get so paranoid about trying to fit in, blend in, not be offensive, that they, the that have this agenda ran away with it in our schools, the critical race theory, the, the, uh, all the agenda that this was a long-term plan where they changed their textbooks, changed history. They've been working at this a long time. They're very patient. We're impatient, but they're very patient. They've been working. This is all like, not, they're like, they're, they have a plan and they, they lay it out for long periods of time and then they patiently roll it out. And the and the thing, so we really do need to celebrate. I think it was Sean Foyt said, you know, it's going to be a challenge this Sunday to see what pastors truly celebrate this. And I don't say enough about, speak enough against abortion. I really haven't because it is murder and because it is not about a woman's rights. You want to talk about a woman's right and taking that away and take, give them choice? then half of you would have killed your three-year-old when you had the opportunity. Like the baby's nothing compared to a three to four-year-old that's acting out. Like, you know, you're like. <clears throat> there is no difference. It's life. It's not right. It's not your life. You, you bring forth something that's not your life. And we just need unapologetically go, no, I'm against it. No, it's wrong. There have been court cases where a woman, get, it's their manslaughter cases, a woman gets killed in a car accident, she's pregnant, and the person gets charged with a double homicide. That right there is like, ah! it's a life, you just said so. And that's how half of our court system functions on precedents that are set by an earlier court case, right? And then there's my <clears throat> all-time favorite saying of the week, <clears throat> quote, I do not view abortion as a choice and a right. I think it's always a tragedy. That's a great quote. Joe Biden, 2006. I know. I'm like, what? It's crazy, like these people without apology flip, change, whatever, all the time. Their convictions aren't true at all. They're, they're really not. We, I'm ashamed if I change my position or I give an explanation or I say I'm repenting from what I thought was right before and now I've realized that's wrong. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> this is, it's, a, it's just a phenomenal <clears throat> time and, and, uh, <clears throat> that we're living in, and I, I appreciate all of you celebrating today the way you did. One other thing I want to comment on, 
<clears throat> I've been halfway looking for an opportunity to show the video, 2,000 Mules. Um, I have, I, I actually bought a CD, so I would have it. If you, how many of you actually have seen this, this movie, 2,000 Mules? Interesting, I, I probably should show, I'm telling you, this is such a well-documented movie produced by Dinesh D'Souza on absolute facts. He does it without uh, offense. He's very, very careful. He's very good about how he presents it. And he brings some leaders in from a whole uh, group of different men that come, ask them before they see the movie what their opinion is about, do you think the election was stolen? And they all have their responses. Yeah, I do, but we don't have proof, and we're not sure, and no, I'm not going to buy into anything unless I see, see the evidence. And then he interviews them again at the end. They're all hands down. Yep, I, I believe it now. And this isn't even so much a court case proof, uh, the movie, as it is the methods that are shown how all of us are tracked and how the police use this, the FBI uses this. This isn't new technology. But this man named Greg Phillips has really developed this. And um, he works with Catherine Engelbright of the True Vote, uh, True the Vote. And um, he tracks people by using the technology called geofencing, the same tech used by the police and the FBI. So, Greg Phillips, I really recommend you get to know this guy. You get a chance to listen to him. He's on all the channels that I watch, X22, um, Patel Patriot, had him on, um, um, did, did um, Steve Schultz have him on? Was he on Elijah Streams yet? I know Patel Patriot on. Like, Steve Schultz is rocking, that's all I can say. He is just amazing, and he's paying the price for it. He's had different people on his show and, uh, and, and has branched out into some of the other patriots that I've been listening to for a long time. And so, so much of what I've listened to and heard and watched has come to pass. Like, that has been, it has been true. It has been real. Here's a side note about this Greg Phillips. <clears throat> Get to know him. Like, he's fascinating, amazing man, but he's a million-dollar personality. I just heard his testimony that during COVID, at the period, time period of COVID, he got cancer. I don't know where cancer hit, where it originally started. He didn't say that in his testimony, but he went through the protocols, uh, started going through all of the things, the uh, chemotherapy and all the different things, and it was not making any, pro any progress. It was getting worse and worse and worse. It had spread to his kidneys. So wherever it started, it was in his kidneys. And now things, yeah, this is serious. Yeah, when it starts jumping to org other organs, you know uh, you're in trouble. And a doctor friend comes up to him and says, I can't give you this medic. I can't tell you this, like, but I can tell you where to go find it. I can go find this website. Look up this web website. And um, on the website, and, and here's Greg Phillips's testimony. Prayer, here's what healed him. He's totally healed. Prayer, reading his Bible every day because he has the U version and it tracks him. And for over a thousand days in a row, he's re read his Bible every day. How he had time for that, like he's like major busy all over the world doing things. And he read his Bible every day, prayed like 
truly, you know, truly a believer, and a protocol of uh, something called fenbendazole. I'm probably not pronouncing that right. It's it's another um, like ever and that fenbendazole is an antiparasitic drug and ivermectin and there's a whole protocol i actually have that protocol i have i have access to that and i i found it on truth social and you can find find that on my channel like it's on my truth social i pastor 55 and uh, or i can i can give that to you because this stuff always comes up there are testimonies on there there was another man that uh had cancer all, he listed all the major organs he had cancer through his whole body. He gets on this protocol in three months. He was totally free from cancer. And the same, same with this, um, same with uh, Greg Phillips. It was about three months he did this. It's, it's uh, uh, fembezidol, um, ivermectin, and there's there's specific things to do, and you know, and some other other medications. Uh, but they take it, and bam, it just wipes it out. So. Um, I'm really glad about what uh, Kenny and Cheryl are into and, and going and getting help with. And so here's another, ho here's another testimony. There's answers to this. Again, the answers, it's not that they've been unknown. They've been suppressed. That's why the deep state, well, that's why these bad actors, I, I hate just calling them Democrats, most of them are, but, but why they flipped a gasket when when President Trump refers to uh, hydroxychloroquine and then ivermectin. These drugs, which are already FDA approved, safe, been used by pregnant women, everything. Like, you can't get any safer than that. If a pregnant woman can use a medication, it must be pretty safe. They've been, uh, some of them 30 years, being used with very, very, very few side effects. This access has been, we've been blocked from it. There's a reason Kenny and Cheryl are in, in Mexico going through these treatments. Because those kind of places are not allowed to be here in the States. Because the pharmaceutical companies fight that and block it and keep it from happening. They cannot afford for the truth to come out, that there are other answers other than their protocols. So, there. Whew. Lest I... What's that? <laughs> Thank you. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12. You know, the other reason I trust these people I'm listening to is because they're not doing it because they're making money. They're doing it in spite of persecution, death threats. It's Greg Phillips, death threats. This Catherine Engelbright, death threats. She's been working on this kind of stuff that she was working on with the election integrity. And she, she had gotten exhausted and getting beat up at every turn. Sued, lawsuits, all kinds of stuff going on just because they're looking for the truth. And she was exasperated. She was just getting exhausted and ready to quit. And Greg Phillips said, how about we go at it one, one more time? Like somehow they were had connected and friends and and they're, they're kind of, they're working together. And uh, she goes with it. All of these patriots, all these doctors that are coming out with the truth, they lose their licenses, they get, they get censored, they get, uh, you know, all, all kinds of issues. Like, when you 
are hearing something from someone that's not only not making money on it, but they are being persecuted for the truth they're telling. Now, that is the I Ching of, of uh, authenticity of their message. They're willing to pay the price. We also must move into this. It's the other, it, it provokes me to jealousy that there are patriots that are out there living on the edge, paying the price for speaking the truth, and I'm hiding in the walls here, afraid of saying something offensive. And I'm like, I'll be, if I'm gonna be quiet about what's going on in our world and in our nation, when other people are paying the price to bring things to the, to the light. And you get, again, there are still people in jail for the January 6th peaceful demonstration. There was another one of them that just went on trial. I don't know how that, justice a couple days ago, he was asking for prayer for it. He went, didn't do a thing wrong, as a peaceful, just the way I went. And I don't know if he got too close to the Capitol or, or what, but whatever, whatever happened, he ended up incarcerated and he's going through, through a trial. It ruins their, their businesses like many of them have, because a lot of the real patriots, they're, they're business people. They're teachers, they're, 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 they're people that, that have jobs and have family and have, have business and, and take care of things. We don't, we're not against the police, we support the police. We're not against uh, you know, the buildings in our, our different capitals, we, we, we protect them. And, and they're in jail without, without cause, it's been horrible, and that's been, a year and almost a half ago now. And so that atrocity goes on and no one can get in to see them. There, it's, there's really, really, uh, it's really a travesty. Someone's gotta speak up for that stuff. We also, for our faith, it's our primary calling. Like it's the one promise that's you don't put on your refrigerator with persecutions. <laughs> you know, like that, that there's not a promise against. You know, like, come and be a Christian. I promise you, you'll never be persecuted. I promise you, you you'll never uh, have anybody offended with you. I promise you, things will always go perfect in your life. That's not the promise. Now, the promise of, of being successful and prospering and, and being blessed, that's there. But not without, not eliminating that, that element. We have to pay a price. And so, I had gone through chapter 11 and... Um, Eventually, Kevin's going to share again, so I'm just kind of waiting um, week by week. I hope pretty soon, really quick. He's, yeah, he has this, um, he has this, um, what, do you, what do you call it? A privilege of, of saying, I'm not quite, it's not quite ready. I wanted to, I wanted to, you know, ruminate for a while and get better and get, you know, I'm like, that, that's, that's awesome, Kevin. That'd be wonderful, Kevin. You know, no, anyways. I, I do. I love when he's sharing. So we, I am always working with him because I, I love it when he shares. So uh, waiting on him to really feel uh, direction about what he's going to share and feel like it's at a, at a full level. That, that's awesome. It's actually great. I love him for that. So I'd finished with Hebrews 11. And... Um, We're working on me not going too long, and so I have a timer back there sitting on me, and I've burned up a lot of time. Um, 
for my daughter, and then if you were watching in worship, my grandson has now given me directions too. I'm looking at him, try to get him to just chill out a little bit, like stop the performance, but you know, like easy, easy, easy. And then, yeah, he gives me the weight. <laughs> now, okay, oh my gosh. At the end of the chapter in 11, we see this, this term that captured me, the fullness of faith or faith's fullness. It talks about all these people that did things and they believed something and then there was action to what they did. They, they believe everyone from Rahab the harlot to uh, Moses and Sarah and you know, all of them. There was something they saw, they believed, and there was action. Abraham, he, he walked with God. He believed God, but he also obeyed God. It wasn't just a belief where he sat, you know, humming to himself, but he believed, but there was action, like he obeyed what the Lord, what God told him to do. So faith without works, it's dead. And there always needs to be an action. I raise a hallelujah. It's, it's, a, it's an action. As we began to sing that, I'm like, it's action that raise it. Raise it. You want to change the atmosphere? Raise the hallelujah. Raise it where you are. Raise it in your car. Raise it at work. Raise it in your life. Raise it when you feel oppressed. Raise it when you're like, I'm going to chill out. Be careful with that. It's the fastest way to get depressed that I know of. Yeah? There's a difference. One of my first teachings when I started teaching in, you know, the new way from being a Baptist was a teaching on rest. And it was back when I would refuse to look like a preacher at all, so I sat on my <clears throat> stool with a guitar upside down. That was my pulpit, and that's how I did things back in the days of Pattersonville when I began, like, because I didn't want to look like anything like I had looked like before. And I taught on rest, and I, get, I saw this picture, what's a lamp look like when it's at rest, and you unscrew the top when it, when it needs filled, you unscrew the top, like the light's out, you unscrew the top, you set it aside, and, and the lamp's not doing anything at all but getting filled. And, and so we need to come to this place where we, we rest in the Lord, and, and I was seeing the difference between what we call entertainment and what we do for entertainment, and I'm not even gonna, it's not even the point of whether it's Good or bad, we're always like, what's it rated? Okay, you know? Don't we, didn't we get culturized to rate things? Well, it doesn't, it's not bad. Whatever you're doing, it's not bad. Yeah, but is it good? Is it too, true rest? And then when you're waiting on the Lord, is it, is it truly, truly that? And so be careful when you click off to, and, that, and that's good, like downtime, whatever, but watch over that because it can turn into something else really quickly. The real devastation of the COVID pandemic was that so many people became seriously depressed, shut down. Many people died from this. Alcoholism went out off the roof. Drug addiction went out the roof. Domestic violence went over through the roof. 
No one paid attention to those numbers. Immediately when it happened, I went, this is not good. That people are shut up in their houses with certain family members. I, I, I had this. It was one of my biggest dreads. I had no sense of COVID any, at all. That was like, that was just a distraction. I'm like, this shutdown and shutting people down, and then, and then the shutdown from people coming to church. Churches are still recovering from that. People coming back. And the real tragedy is if you don't sit under the anointed preaching, it's what changes you. It's what, it changes us. What, and I can't go into it right now, but I, I just witnessed some people. I'm like, see, there's what looks different when they've not set under this, when they, when they don't have a revelation of who the Lord is, what covenant is, what relationships really should look like, how you should do business, like true and godly kingdom principles and godly integrity and you know, kingdom and kingdom business. That's a whole different thing. That, that's a blessing. That's a ministry in itself. You encounter a person, a, 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 a vendor that's operating in kingdom dynamics. They bless you. They serve you with what they're selling or what they're, what they're, the service they're providing, don't they? They walk away. This is really, this is what I believe. They walk, there, there should be a, when the transaction is done, there's a covenant made. Have you ever bought something, an, just a, non-whatever item, a car, a truck, uh, whatever, off of someone. And from that moment on, there was a connection with that person because you, there was an, you felt there was an equal exchange. You paid money or you paid whatever. You traded something of value, but it was worth getting what you got. And both parties felt that way. You walked away. I, I gave you my time and my service, and you got your thing fixed, your stuff fixed, your house built, your whatever. And I'm happy you're happy, and there's a connection. That, and that's what, it's, that's what kingdom is supposed to look like and how it affects marriages. Marriages with kingdom in, in them. They're not perfect because I show up in it, you know? Like, but the point is that we have redemptive qualities in our relationships that save the ship. This is, and, and so now we're living in this time, this era where faithfulness comes. And as Hebrews 11 closed out, with all the people that were persecuted and suffered and, and didn't get to see even the goal, the, see, the fruit of what they, what they were believing for. They, they, they didn't even get to, but they will not that we will receive our reward with them. We're coming, we've come into a realm, and now we've come into a place where we declare healings based on what? The finished work of Christ. They were on the other side of it. They were on the, the pre-program. <laughs> They were on the pre-show of the finished works of Christ. The hope of the finished works of Christ. The hope of the Messiah coming. Yeah? We're on the after end of it. We're on the, we see the finished works of Christ. And all we had to do is look at what happened and how he came and how he <clears throat> lived, how he died, how he sacrificed, how he, how he went to the cross for us, and how he made provision for us. By, our, by his stripes, we're healed. His blood redeems us. Even angels can't be redeemed. We're redeemed by his blood. We've got, we've got stuff that angels are envious of, like, huh, wow, I wish I could make a mistake and live to tell about it. We, we, we get, 
second chances, and third chances, thank God, and fourth chances, and redos, and remakes, and remarriages, and re you know. We, we, get, we get stuff, we get opportunities. We, we, we live in this whole different dynamic. And so when it comes to us praying for healing and praying, we, we realize this major shift has happened and we stand in a place where we believe, we believe in what's been given to us. We call things that are not as though they were. They're coming, they're coming, they're coming. If they're not there yet, you believe until it manifests. But you stand in a position where it is granted. I am healed. I am saved. I don't feel saved today. I don't look saved today. But the word says, I am saved. And in all of things. And you start looking at yourself in that I am a son. And my father does love me because he said he loves me. I don't feel lovely today. But he says he does. And I, I'll take him as a, at, at his word. I am a son. I'm also his loved one. I'm also his, his cherished one. Didn't we? Yeah, like that. There was such an anointing on that song last week that we sang, uh, I am your beloved. Like, wow. Was it that week or the week before? I was just undone. Like, wow. It just hit me. I didn't expect that. Like, I haven't even been that emotional in this season of my life. Like, not at all. Very little. And then, boom, I start seeing that. It just starts, starts to roll. What is that? That's revelation coming and manifesting about a reality that is there and in the words and, and how, true, how true they are. I'm going to introduce this chapter. I don't know how far I will get. Um, as for you, in chapter 12, Verse 1, we have all these great witnesses who encircle us like clouds. So they live, some, some God didn't get to see what they, what they had the hope of, what they had the promise was. They didn't get to see the fulfillment of it, but there are witnesses watching on. That's a great picture. There are witnesses. When you're feeling weak, there's witnesses watching on, and you can envision them in a real way, like cheering you on. You can do it. Don't quit now. We, we all have those days where we're like, I can't do this anymore, right? Like all of a sudden, this adds up, this is on top of that, that's on top of this, this is it, and you're like, I'm done, I can't do this. And, and, and the cloud of wisdom is like, no, don't quit now. Don't stop now, just a little further. We, we were steadfast even to death. Don't quit now. There's a promise coming. There's a fulfillment coming. They encircle us like a cloud, so we must let go of every wound that has pierced us and the sin we so easily fall into. Then we will be able to run life's marathon race with passion and determination, for the path has been already marked. We look away from the natural realm. We fasten our gaze on to Jesus. It's nice to put on a bracelet, but it needs to become a reality. How about an upgrade today? Get your eyes back, your gaze back on Jesus. Uh, you know, like um, a gaze is something that's fixed. You're gazing. You're, you're looking with intent. We need to look with intent at Jesus again today about today's problem, about today's need. 
in a fresh way. Look now with intent and gaze on Jesus. Then you'll be able to call things that are not as though they were. Then you'll be able to declare good things in your marriage. Then you'll be able to declare good things in your relationships. Then you'll be able to declare things where there's hopelessness. Our country, our government, that this is going to be like our hope needs to set and be, I'm very encouraged when I hear good news, but I need to be encouraged when I fix my eyes on Jesus. That's a, a safer thing. That's a higher thing. That he, that God is not done with the nation. That God is not done with our, our country. That God is not done with our people. That he is not finished. That he will bring this to pass. <clears throat> Fix our eyes on Jesus who birthed faith within us and who leads us forward into faith's perfection. His example is this, because his heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his. And that's it's, it's just an amazing thing to stop and think about. Jesus endured the cross for one purpose. He saw you. I, I was recently in a conversation, again, I can't give much, but it was, it was such a good picture of someone say, I don't know how you do this or do that. And here's how. You get your eyes on that goal and you endure what's between here and the door. When you, when you live that way, when you look ahead... Well, you all know, you drive cars and trucks and, you know, stuff. What is the best way to drive? To keep your eyes on the road five foot ahead of you, just over the hood, or to get your eyes set a little further out? Have you ever been, like, I'll play this game with myself, you know, going around curves and whatever, and I have to, I have to be like, look at the big picture, Rick. Like, you go through the curves so much better if you stop focusing right on and get, get your eyes out a little ways and just, and just drive. Just let it go. Having your eyes, are you, have you ever been in a task that's just grueling? Like, oh, it's hard. This is a hard part of the project. <clears throat> what, gets, what gets me through? It's getting my eyes to the picture and the vision of, of the end result of what I'm doing. That's what keeps me going. And the joy that it will be for someone that's like, oh, that's wonderful you know that will that will motivate me way more than money ever has or any other like that's that's the thing for the joy of the finished work and Jesus was the same way for the joy of seeing you and what he would accomplish for you he endured the hardship the impossibility of the cross that shows up in the scripture that's not just somebody, us making it up like, oh, you know, Jesus, like, you know how we'll sometimes fabricate some things and add in a little bit, you know, make it more human. And here's, here's black and white. For the joy set before him, he endures the cross. He presses through. He's focused on that joy. He endured the agony of the cross and conquered his humiliation and now sits exalted at the right hand of the throne of God. That's his finished seating. That's the winner circle. He sits in that place of finished. 
it is finished. He sets in that place. And that, that draws me through like what I need is finished. What I need is provided. And so now what is left for us is to, to live by faith. To live by the leading and conviction of the Holy Spirit. I was talking the last couple weeks about this. What marks us as different from the people in the world? Because we believe in true destiny. The world, like, I've noticed that as they've changed, they're transitioning, and they, they've, even if there was a little bit of religious talk in there, whatever, like, this stuff, it's, like, really gone. Like, they're really, they don't believe in that. They'll go, um, yeah. I don't believe God chooses anything. I don't believe God's got a purpose for it. I don't, I don't believe in that. You go, oh, wow. Wow, it's like, it's gone. It's gone. They're not making an apology for it anymore. We are people that live based on, I believe God says a plan. I believe I give an account to him when it's over. Uh, we believe in these things. I believe I have a purpose to fulfill. My job in life isn't to be like everybody else. My job is to find my purpose and do it. And that takes faith. You hear, you see, you believe, and then you take action on it. I'm supposed to be this. I'm supposed to start this organization. I'm supposed to be here. I'm supposed to be there. And, and then you do it, not, not regarding what anybody else is do or whether, doing or whether it looks like someone else is doing or whether it's making the right amount of money that the world thinks you should make. Like All of that comes is all secondary. You get to where you go, I know this is where I'm supposed to be. The price is important, but the cost is everything, huh? So consider the cost, and we go, it's worth it. It's worth it. And then don't be double-minded about it. Go, this is what I chose. This is how I chose to believe. This is how I chose to raise my kids. This is, this is why I chose to live here. This is why I chose this. This is why I'm like said yes to this thing. You go, I didn't choose. Like, yeah, you did. Every time you say yes, you choose. And you're not a victim. Love the song. The Lord wants you to choose stuff in your life, even things he, he has for you. He still wants you to choose it. Very important. I tell people my story all the time. Like, the Lord's put me in different places where I had to choose. I'm like, no, don't. I don't want to choose. You tell me what I'm supposed to do, and then I'll do it. Mm -mm -mm. You know, that thing where countenance is dropped. I'm serving the Lord, you know. Eh. <laughs> That's... That doesn't bless heaven, let alone anybody else. You need to be doing what you're doing and where you are because you go, I choose this. You can tell me your story. Man, my job's hard, but it's, I know it's where I'm supposed to be. I, I, I want to hear the conversation go there. Because I'm thinking, I don't always say it, but if you're just complaining about a situation you're in and you don't add that phrase, I'm like, then quit. <gasps> I, can't, I can't quit. What will happen? I don't know, but I know what's happening now. You're not living. And when you're not in that joy, you can't prosper. Like, that's not a good thing. The enduring needs to be because your eyes are on the end. I know I'm supposed to be here because I have my eyes on that, that in the right time, it's going to pay off. In the right time, the Lord's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. 
Embrace and declare the standard of kingdom living. Do not budge. Integrity issues, big time. That's why all the corruption in our country right now. Because they've thrown out the rule of law, thrown out integrity, thrown out doing it right. And, and look what we have. We have a big, big mess. We are people... We are the people the Constitution was to rest on, people that have a moral uh, compass that is higher than anything on this earth. We, our moral comp compass is set by God. The right and wrong of life has to do with him. Even if we're struggling in an area, our, our, we're, we look up, we go, Lord, show me the way. I'm stuck in this. I'm not sure about this. The right or wrong of it, help me. And, and we, we pray that way. We, we struggle with these things. We don't just get a pat on the back. Oh, don't worry about it. It'll, it'll be okay in the end. We're like, no, no, I need to know. I need to know with, with my God consciousness that he's pleased with this. And that, and that, that is a good thing. And lastly, what I want to share is put action to what you believe. Absolutely necessary. Put action to it. Believe something, pray something, do, do something. Like put action to that thing that you believe. I think it was uh, Johnny Enlow was just talking about, there was something he was releasing in his ministry, and he refers to a woman that was, uh, he was she was 70 years old, and she had this dream of having a business, and she just said yes to it, like, like the Lord was just saying, whatever, some of you are going to become business people. And she went, okay, yes, 70. And he sees her later. She goes, you may not, you don't remember me. It doesn't matter. She goes, I, I received a word. I received that thing that you ministered to. And she goes, I started a business. I have a little greenhouse. And every day I go, Lord, I just love doing business with you. Now, hey, hot dog, like, yeah. Isn't that the way to go about it? It didn't matter how much money she was making. Who knows? It doesn't matter. She was full of life and, and living. Instead of just being shut down and retired and whatever, like, purpose came back. She's like, yeah, I, I, I'm doing this with you, Jesus. I love doing business with you. <laughs> we should all be there. Like, I love doing business with you. Doing your business with him, Yeah. And then it becomes supernatural. It becomes exciting. Father, once again, we thank you for this Supreme Court decision. We have believed. Help our unbelief. Cause us to be dynamic in our faith. Cause us to put your kingdom first and get our eyes fully on you and stop being so mixed with this world. We're the answer for this world not the mixture for this world. And Lord, most of all, we want to love people. We get out of our junk, and we will be able to love people the way you love them. The good, the bad, and the ugly. We're never off the hook from just loving. And when we know that you have everything in control, we can be at peace and not be angry anymore. So release us from anxiety today. Release us from striving today. Teach us to enter into your rest. That's a command. Enter into the rest. Enter into his rest. Enter into his rest. 
The children of Israel perished in the wilderness because they didn't enter into his rest. I don't want to be that. I want to be one that comes in in the bubble of resting in the Lord and his provision, his finished work. Just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless all of you. Never been a strain.